This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my yes! fine friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How the hell you doing? I am a Chuck. I'm godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things oh. Metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast, brought to you this week by Creative Live. Thank you very much, Creative Live. You are awesome. You want to learn how to record music? Check out our friends at Creative Live. They've got classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, all taught by artists like Between the Bear to Me, Convert, Periphery, Dillinger, Escape Plan. Head over to creativelive.com slash audio if you want to learn more. Watch free previews. And then watch more. And then watch more. And then watch more because you can't stop. You're addicted. You're hooked, man. I was meeting a guy the other day, and he's like, he's like, all right, I hear you every week, and you're always talking about Creative Live. How much of that is bullshit? And I said, <laughs> and I'll say it right here, zero percent of what I say about Creative Live is bullshit. And I know how it is. Like you hear somebody said, yeah, "I'm yeah, not yeah. lying," and and you automatically think, "Well, you are lying because you're telling me you're not lying." But no, I'm being as genuine as I possibly can be, and I'm trying to tell you that this is awesome. And I'm trying to tell you that when you know, because I know how it is. It's like you know, you're 17, 18 years old. You're starting to get ready for college. You know. And and all that sort of shit. But what I want you to do is I want you to, to, to hit pause on the podcast. I want you to go downstairs. I want you to turn to your mom and dad. I want to I want you to flip them both the bird and go, fuck college. I'm going on Creative Live for the next four years. <laughs> Why? Because, because Godless said be- I will make friends and make, <laughs> make millions just by doing this. It's going to make me famous. You know what? Your parents will love you when they find out how cheap Creative Live is. You are not going to go into a lifelong's worth of debt learning useless skills. You go to Creative Live, and I'm telling you what, you're going to pick up a bunch of awesome <laughs> skills that'll turn into money. Turn into money. More than, well, all the rest of your friends are sitting around, you know, playing scales all day long for nothing. You're going to be out there actually making money, doing what you're doing because you learned how to do it on Creative Live. I'm telling you, it's the truth. Okay, okay, okay. Calm down. Calm down. Oh, my God. I, I told think, you I increased my dose of caffeine. Oh, man. That's what that is. Jesus, dude. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. If you subscribe, that way it comes directly to you. So your device, wherever you are, it's going to be downloaded for you. You don't have to go hunt it out. But if you do, of course, MetalSucks.net every single Monday is where you're going to find us. And uh, let's see. Make sure you find us on social media. Uh, I am at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks and Godless Speaks on Facebook. So you can dig us up there. We're always, you know, tweeting or retweeting. Don't worry, because I do another like gaming podcast, the Bad Feeling Podcast. So if you if you happen to stumble across like some weird, um, like cryptic sort of gaming references in my Twitter feed, uh, that that's probably why uh, that exists. With the gay and gaming. <laughs> wait, wait, oh. <laughs> that's not a bad thing so that's okay did you send out some new stuff for patreon supporters this week did, what do you mean did, did oh you put, like like the interview that we did with uh, uh tomas not yet not yet i gotta edit that still i, I gotta I, I, i've been I've, I've had a rough week this week man it's been it's just been 
<sighs> yeah, it's been one of those weeks. So, you know, that, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to like want to get into it because, you know, when you're sitting on an ice pack, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. You were saying on the ship that you were going to go get your balls cut. Yes. Like what, um, what do they call that? The, that that's a, it's what, a vasectomy. The, the vasectomy. Yeah. A, yeah. I was totally getting. Is it all right uh, to get, talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be. I mean, you know, it's not like I'm fucking fertile anymore. I'm, well, actually, I am kind of. <laughs> I am kind of half fertile right now, which is what's so what what fucked up. What happened? All right, with that? so no, get, get this right. This is this is a procedure that is out, an outpatient thing. You go in and you, 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 it's like supposed to be fifteen minutes long, right? And I had some friends here at the radio station that did it live on their radio show, right? Which is not a new thing either. People did that, you know, twenty years ago. But they did it live on the show. Same doctor I went to. Everything's great. And, you know, I was like, okay, cool. Nice guy. I met this guy before, and he's a nice dude. Uh, Soft hands? <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, he's, a, he's gentle at first, and then got a little aggressive, uh, if you will. No, it's huh. it's it's a procedure that, that it's going to hurt, right? It's like a tattoo. It's like anybody who tells you that a tattoo doesn't fucking hurt is lying to your ass, right? But it's it's definitely going to hurt because somebody's fucking cutting open your balls, pulling out a fucking little string, cutting that shit in half and sewing the shit back up. So it's going to fucking hurt no matter what. Well, so they, did they cut open the balls or they just cut open the sack? Well, they cut open the sack and they pull the there's the the vast deference that connects everything. Right. And they pull that thing out and they cut it and clamp it and then put it back in and put a stitch in it. And you're good. And they got to do that twice. Right. They got to do it left and right. Well, apparently, Lefty was not very cooperative. Uh, right was fine. Like, uh, like Righty, he's a, he's a good boy. He dangles. He dangles well. Uh, lefty was not so cooperative. So now I have half a vasectomy. So I'm I'm half as potent so, as I was before. So did Left like go running up into your stomach type of thing? You know, does, you know how that happens sometimes. Your ball like run. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. right. Sack and no. Is that it, what happened? I think what happened was. I've I've had some damage done to my junk before in the past, uh, like from, no way. <laughs> I know, right? And, and then, you know, a little S and M here and there, you know that. No, no. It really, it's like bike riding and some other stuff. I've done a little bit of damage here and there, and hey, he had a hard time like finding the the thingy, the the vast difference. He had, like had trouble finding this thing. What was the terrible thing about it is that you're awake. You're not even you're not even in there. You just put a little bit of anesthetic on it to where where they cut you and everything else you fucking feel. So like you feel everything and he's rooting around in my fucking nutsack for like 30 minutes trying to find this damn thing. And that shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. So that, that that didn't turn out to be like a like a kink you didn't know about. Like, you know. <sighs> Like a total turn on? No, no, like, it's not know, like that. if it was a chicken high heel stomping on my balls or some shit. No, it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, it, totally. <laughs> definitely not a turn on. That was uh, that was shrivel tastic. Are you watching him down that? I mean, what do you do? Do you stare into his eyes? No, he's got you, Sports like, Center on the, the TV next to me over there. So I got Sports Center going on this side, talking about uh, talking about fucking football or or what? I don't even know what it was talking about. But then. I'm just kidding. everything because every time he, the ball's over on the sidelines, Al. I don't know what's going on. They can't seem to find it. Oh my 
God. It was, I was just waiting for the motherfucker to just, really, boing, just pop him and fly across the room. He's squeezing so goddamn hard. It's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? It's so awesome if the ESPN narrator, like, totally narrated your balls getting, you know. See, I thought about periscoping this thing, you know, like, just go ahead. Yeah. If, my, if, I, if I didn't have such a little penis, I probably would have periscoped it. You know, like, if, if, if I was hung a little bit lower than, then yeah, this probably would have been on the Internet at some point. Because, fi- you know, it just didn't. It wasn't successful. And I've wanted to take a picture of the bruise and the bruising that happened afterwards, but I just, I'm like, Ooh. I don't want to put my balls on the, you know, I don't want to tweet on, well, put that on our on, Instagram. Hold on, real you know? quick. So he slices open a hole. Does he like stick a couple fingers in there and start rummaging around? Well, the idea is, is that he, he kind of grabs it ahead of time and pulls it up to where the hole is and then just. Gets a little thing and pulls it out and snip, snip. Wait, clip, wait, clip. wait, wait, wait! You're using you're using some pronouns here, and I'm losing you. So he, he does. What's it? Okay, so he basically he he reaches. He's rooting around trying to find the vast deference and with his fingers. With his fingers on the outside. So on the outside. Okay. So he's trying to find it on the outside. Moves it over to where the hole is so that he can get it to the inside. And then he's got to work like with one finger to get it in and out and the other thing and then pull the the piece out so that he got something to work with so he can clamp and cut. And, and he could never get it. Ouch. Oh, God, it's going to dude. And the, the, to be continued, because I'm going back. I'm going back in like two weeks to get the other side finished. See, that's got to be worse. Like, ignorance is bliss, but right? now you know what you're in for. Dude, when I got yeah. my nipples pierced so, back in the day, right? Like, uh, I, I got one done. It was like, oh, that fucking hurt. That's not that. But it wasn't that bad. When I went back for number two, holy shit, that fucking hurt. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because I knew what was I was in for. It was the same amount of pain. It was just that exactly. yeah, you, you're emotionally prepared. Exactly. So I totally knew what I was getting like, into. T- is he like talking to your nuts the whole time? Like, come here, man. Come here. Come, <laughs> dude, come on this dude. way. You know, is he doing uh, that? No, no, no. It's fucking small talk, man. It's like, it's like so, hey, man, you know, because he knows where I work, right? And he knows I work at the radio uh-huh. station and who I work with. And so, oh, yeah, man, you know, it's been a lot of fun going on the radio and all this stuff. And, you know, so what do you do during normally? I'm like, well, you know, it's like when the dentist tries to talk to you, except the dentist is cupping your balls. So it's a completely, oh, it's, oh, God. Well, oh, God. Did that hurt? Yes, fucking hurt. Oh, you know, is this one of yeah. those things where like like the, nobody told you that it was going to be this miserable because they were just like you know it's like a, every, everybody was miserable so nobody no. wants to be the, the no. asshole that no 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 I, I I posted it I put it on Twitter that that I was like one in a thousand right and apparently I am one in a, one in a thousand uh, because everybody else I talked to was like yeah man I was in and out of there in like ten minutes dude you know that's crazy. And, and and it's not because I'm a fat dude, you know. I mean, it, that I figured that you know, when my appendix bursts or whatever, that's going to be a tough surgery because they got to cut through layers and layers of tacos that are built into this thing. But that, the you know, the skin is thin, so I don't know what I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm not looking is forward it, to going back, like- but. Is it like your vast deference are like not exercised enough? Like you need more muscular vast deference? So that way Maybe. More, I have no idea. I, like I, at this bulky point. Bulky vast deference? At this point, I'm, or I think it's, um, I think it may be uh, like too small, like atrophied kind of thing. So it's like withering. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, maybe I'll just ball or your vast deference. My vast deference. So I think maybe what I'll well, do maybe. is I'll just put a rubber band around this thing and do it like old style fucking farm style and just let them rot off. I'm just be yeah. done with it. 
Say, fuck well, it's it. almost like if it if it's withered and stuff, maybe we would have a hard time getting some real good sperm through that thing anyway. Yeah, but you know, it only takes one, dude. It only takes one, and that uh, that's not. Uh, we're gonna, we're not going back there. <laughs> I've already I've already had the I've already had my fill. I'm I'm good. No more diapers for me, man. Hey, uh, we haven't even talked. What the fuck are we talking about? This we're not even, we're not even talking about our episode. Like can, what we're talking about in this. Can thing, I yeah. say? Yeah, but can I? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But before you do that, but like, can I tell you? Like, I was sort of inspired by like when you were like, yeah, I'm going to go get it done. And I thought to myself, well, I don't really need to do that. But you know, the pain sounds interesting. So I, <laughs> I decided I was going to go get a wax. Oh right? no, really? It's, and so, like, today was the day to go in and have the consultation. So I went in for the consultation to do the wax. And, you know, the the, you know, the nice lady, she closes the door and, and you know, um, uh, she says, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, I'll, we'll be doing your back. And, uh, you know, and uh, is that what you'd like? And I go, well, to be honest with you, you know, I, I said, I, I, have you ever heard of Martin Luther King? And she's like, yeah. And I said, well, I, too, have a dream. And my dream is a clean butt crack, right? Mm. And my hairy ass butt crack ass hairy ass like <laughs> makes cleaning that thing like uh, somewhat challenging so i'd like to have like a totally you know like like no hair whatsoever in the butt crack you want a baby bottom in this well not i don't care about the rest of the butt it's the crack that matters to me right like all around the anus but if you're gonna shine and, it shine the whole thing man i mean you know go well, that's for, what she asked it. And I said, is that extra? And, you know, it seemed like it was. But then she's like, well, to be honest with you, I only ever really do arms and back and legs and stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know if I would really, you know, I don't really do that. Can a guy you know, get a Brazilian? I mean, yeah. well, I, I don't know. But then then I was like, well, you know, I said, to be honest with you, I said, I wouldn't know if you did a good or a bad <laughs> job as long as there's no hair when you're done, you know? <laughs> And she's like, well, yeah, I, I guess you're right, because I've never had a wax before. Get a rear view so, mirror, uh, you know? Yeah, so uh, uh, she did like a little waxing on my arm to see how my skin responds to it. And, you know, everything's fine. I think that if I pooped on my arm, I could clean it really well. But, um, yeah, so I'm going back, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday next week, uh, or this week uh, to try to get uh, my uh, ass crack done by someone who is visibly uncomfortable with the entire notion. <laughs> well, you know, t- talking somebody into into like, you know, touching your balloon knot who doesn't really want to is not easy to do. I mean, you know, I've been trying to do that shit for years and and I'm married. You know, it's like, come on, honey. No, no, just a little bit. Just take a little bit. No, no. All right. Never mind. You know, so, I mean, you know, trying to get a stranger to do it is going to be even tougher, man. I mean, even if you are paying her. What's going to be really tough is when I ask her if I can live tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, What are you doing? Oh, nothing, nothing. Periscope, you know, it's all good. What's Periscope? You don't want to know. You don't want to know. But uh, now we got to go to like a very serious I have to apologize right now to Steve. Uh, (laughs) So why? You know what's uh, even worse? What I think doing? we got to apologize for his fourteen-year-old son. Uh, yeah, if he, I tell you what, 
Ah, oh, man. Well, actually, this will be right up his alley. You know, everybody everybody <laughs> likes a little butthole humor. Uh, Steve Austin from UXO. You might know him from a band called Today is the Day. He's our guest this week. And we had a long interview. And, by, and I don't want to make it sound like it was boring by no means because it was awesome. It was great to talk to him. And I'm really, really want you guys to hear this UXO song because it is a combination of uh, dudes from Vatnet Viscar, uh, Today is the Day, and Unsane. If you have Chris Spencer from Unsane is a lead singer, and oh my God, it is so good. I'm a big, huge fan of Unsane. I have been since the 90s. So this project is something that I was really, really interested in. And Steve, I was I was a little worried because I, I, I've read Steve's lyrics. I've listened to his music for years, and... He, I'm like, he's a, he's a dark guy. He's a really dark dude. He's got to be, but dude, one of the nicest guys and one of the coolest, friendliest uh, people that uh, that we've had the opportunity to talk to here on the Metal Sucks podcast. So let's get into our interview with uh, with Steve Austin on uh, on the Metal Sucks podcast. Hey, Steve, how you doing? This is uh, Chuck and Godless from the Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, doing all right. Good to talk to you, man. Good, good. Let me uh, step into my studio here for a minute. Right on. You know, uh, I've never done one with y'all or whatever. Like, uh, how long is the podcast? Oh, it's pretty laid back. I mean, we'll usually do about half an hour, depending upon, you know, where we go and all that stuff. Um, that, you know, I like to talk about a little bit of everything, you know? Yeah, that sounds cool, man. Well, good deal. Okay, well, I guess uh, I'm in the saddle and ready to go, whatever you are. <laughs> All right, then. I want to start kind of with um, with some of the nuts and bolts with the new project, because I think I think everybody's pretty familiar at this point with Today is the Day. Today is the day. But the UXO thing was sort of a surprise on my radar, for sure. And I, I kind of want to get a little bit of background on where you and uh, Chris and everybody came together on this project to make it happen. Well, you know, I'm, I guess going way back short, shortly, so this isn't a really long answer, but because there's a lot of history involved. But, you know, when I was just a, a little dirty punk living down in Nashville and me and the two dudes that played in the, the first few Today is the Day albums, like I guess you'd say the original lineup. We, um, you know, Nashville was kind of cut off from the rest of the world back then. There, there was no Internet. Um, at least one that we could use, uh, the lowly um, punks of Nashville. And um, so, you know, we'd buy magazines and stuff like that to try to figure out, like, you know, what the rest of the world's up to. And I remember seeing an article, or not an article, it was an ad in Alternative Press magazine that was of the unsane. And um, when I saw that, there was this pretty bold picture of, like, the three of those guys they just look like the meanest fucking dudes. Like they, they, they look like they'd been through it. They look like some hard edged fuckers. And, um, and I don't know what it was about that, but like, it really, it really struck me. And at the time, this was like, probably like 1992. I, I had not listened to the Unsane. They, I think they only had like one or like a, just a, just a few albums two a couple albums out. And I went out and I bought the album with the head cut off on the railroad track. Yeah, yeah. And um, me and my uh, dudes in my band, like, sat around at the practice room and put that on and listened to it. And right away, I was just like, 
holy shit, like, you know, these guys are fucking intense. Like, this, this is really cool, you know. They, they were doing something that was different than what we were uh, messing around with at the time because we weren't even on a label or anything. We were just trying to do our band. But, it, you know, it, it threw the big dreams in the country boy's head of, like, yeah, man, that must be cool to, like, live up in New York City and, like, busting heads and playing hardcore. And and so, you know, t- time went on, whatever, you know, we got on Amrep and, and toured. And uh, a couple years later, we were lucky enough to get to be asked to play a show with them at CBGB's. And then this was another memorable moment that, <laughs> that like, to me, summed up, like, the insane was they were up on stage and, um, you know, they were they were freaking playing um, with, with their original lineup and um, they were fucking going absolutely nuts. And it, it was summertime. It was really, really fucking hot. I remember, like, standing in front of me was, like, this really, really hot girl and she had... Uh, she and she was smoking like a huge joint, like while they were playing, and like the whole wave of like the whole thing going on between like the 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 weed smoke in the air and like those guys up on stage and them going completely crazy. It was just like man, like I like not only did I dig it before, but like this first time of me ever seeing them play. I was just like, God damn, you know, I, this is definitely a contender. These guys are like serious shit. And, um, you know, so that night we kind of met them and, and then shortly after we did a tour, did another tour as time went on, me and Chris Spencer became really good friends. You know, we kind of started to notice a lot of similarities about ourselves to, um, tall, dorky, uh, white guys that, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> play angry friggin noise hardcore metallic sounding music and um a lot of things about like his personality and my personality you know there were there was just a lot of different things that 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 you don't really run into because in what i do it isn't like everybody does you know the same job or, or the same art that i'm into or whatever and so so that kind of forged like a, <clears throat> a really cool friendship and um You know, and as time went on, it's like, as far as Chris, like, amazing me, it it, it never slowed down. It's like at one point, a couple years later, he was in uh, Europe and he was getting into a taxi cab and some anti-American crazy people, like, uh, that was like a gang. They, like, grabbed him right before he got in the car and beat the hell out of him. And Chris gave it his best of trying to beat them off uh, of him and he's, you know, friggin' one guy against five or six dudes and the end result was they gave him internal injuries that were pretty harsh and um, so they ended up having to cut Chris open from right below his neck all the way down to his belly button to get inside there to fix that shit and so when he came back, yeah, when he came back to the United States you know, we were all concerned about it and everything so we were set to go on tour with them. I didn't know if the tour would happen, but then it was like, yeah, no, definitely the tour is happening. And the very first show, I go in this place, and it's time for the Unsane to play. And up on stage <clears throat> was possibly one of the most horrific, disturbing fucking things I think I've ever seen in my life because there's this guy up on stage 
that has his shirt off with fucking staples going all the way from the bottom of his neck to his belly button, holding him together after only, I think it had been maybe like a week or something like that since, since this had happened. So it hadn't healed. It was all fresh and he's screaming his fucking brains out. And at any minute I was waiting for his entire chest to explode wide open with guts all over the freaking stage. Yeah. Just like singing his brains out, not his guts out. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Well, at that, at that point I had definitely decided that if there's ever a category of the five toughest dudes I've ever met in my life, um, Chris, Chris Spencer definitely winds up in there, you know, did that change up like how ticklish he was in any way? <laughs> I think I don't know he why, did not. I don't know why that comes like, up, but you know, I, I I think that his preference for being wildly tickled all the time kind of went down a little bit after that. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, yeah, no. So you know, about a year ago, um, or not a year ago, actually, time flies. About two years ago, during the summer, um, you know, one day Chris called me up and he was like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm coming up to Maine." And, um, you know, it'd be awesome if we could get to hook up, even though I'm not going to be in necessarily the same part of the state because we could do some jamming and, you know, whatever. And I didn't really care, um, necessarily about the jamming part. He's just a real close friend of mine. So all, all that phone call added up to me was, Hey, awesome. Chris is coming to Maine. We can fucking go out on my boat. Um, you know, shoot some guns, have a good time, do whatever, you know, so he came up, and sure enough, you know, he showed up with, you know, his guitar and everything, and, and so I'm like, hell yeah, let's jam, this is going to be crazy, so, you know, we sat down, and it, it was real informal, there was no idea of doing anything other than just kind of broing down and having fun, so then we proceeded to start writing some songs, and and then the next thing you know, the shit just got, like, on a roll with it, by the time he was ready to go back home, which was only, like, I think three or four days later, um, we had written an entire album. Jeez, that's crazy. It, wow. And that's amazing. Like after, after being friends for that long that you get, that, that it finally came to now. Well, a couple of years ago, anyway, did uh, the fishing suck that much? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, what, what did suck was I took him out on the ocean in my boat and luckily it was a landlocked part of the ocean, but we got almost all the way to Bangor from here, which is like, uh, in boat time, it takes about like an hour or so to get up there. And the fucking boat broke down and, uh, the, the fuel pump had died in it. And, uh, this was another good point about Chris, about showing you what kind of dude he is. That, that fucking boat broke down and we had our women on the boat with us and stuff. And, um, I ended up using a radio and getting somebody to tow us to like a, a Harbor, uh, place or whatever. And, uh, so the ladies ended up getting a ride back to where we live at. And, you know, I felt bags, my friends in from out of town. I took them on the ocean here. We could have really been fucked if, you know, um, someone didn't come get us. And, the, you know, he asked me, he's like, what's wrong with the boat? And I said, I think the fuel pump shot in it. He's like, is there any way you could fix it? I said, yeah, because I'm pretty handy with mechanic stuff. And he's like, well, fuck it. Let's just fix it. and We'll ride it back home. And I was like really and, you know and, and he's like yeah Dude, i don't care did, 
Did he like pull an inspector gadget and like yank a fuel pump out of his opened <laughs> chest? You know, like and then pop yeah, open the actually knee? he did. He popped a bunch of staples out and right inside there, next to like a Telecaster, there was a uh, uh, another fuel pump. But but uh, old trusty advanced auto parts. We got a ride from the cook at the Harbor House. Uh, had an electric fuel pump. Got a ride back to the boat. I got some wire out, wired it up, put it in, and then me and bro rode home. And never once did dude give me grief about, <clears throat> you know, like, bro, you got us broke down on the ocean or anything. And, you know, and, and so that was a, a just another cool key thing because you, you know who your friends are, but, but, but when the chips are down, you really know who your friends are. And he, he was just absolutely cool about that shit. You know, I, I, I'll never forget it, you know. He's the kind of guy that's going to help you move, right? Yeah, well, you, you know, it's you know how it is being in a band. I yeah. mean, you know, you're, the, the transmission blows up or you blow a tire or whatever. You know, it's easy to lose morale or, like, freak out. Oh, it's the end of the world. And, you know, but that's not Chris. You know, Chris is like a, Chris is a, a, staun- a, a real staunch, like, calm dude under pressure. And, um, and so it makes being in a band with him a good thing, you know? So can we go back in time just a little bit? Like, what was it about you that made it so that Unsane, for example, were some, was something you were attracted to? While your buddies are, like, picking up the new Joe Diffie album, you found this cool. How did your parents screw up? What what, what was it that attracted you to that? All that was basically a, a life evolvement of black sheep outsider just never really fitting in and, you know, hating my surroundings, hating my environment. You know, I grew up in Tennessee and and, in the outskirts of Nashville. And then later I moved down into Nashville and um, that place was controlled by cheesy country music and really, really bad music. And if you did anything any different than that, then people thought you were just completely lost. And so when we, when I wanted to start up, my first real band, which was um, Today is Today, the idea was <clears throat> to harm and hurt and destroy every single person that would come to the show because it's kind of like a way of weeding out like whether or not you're truly down or whether or not you're truly underground. And so all of the jams that we made <clears throat> were pretty intense, harsh type of stuff to listen to. You know, I guess that would correlate to what you're asking me meaning my ear was was more tuned to things that were like that like you know napalm death on saint god flesh the birthday party laughing hyenas uh the melvins things that are just pretty intense and abrasive and from you know that's why with the unsane i mean I honestly think that they're they could easily be considered one of the top three bands of something like that, you know. Plus, bros vocals, like you know, he doesn't get enough credit as far as I'm concerned. But I, to me, like my some of my top three favorite singers are like Scott Kelly from Neurosis and and Chris Spencer from The Unsane. His voice just shreds, you know. And the other thing that I uh, correlate with those bands as well is that got a lot of introspective nature to it as well. You know, it's uh, it, I don't want to say it's insular, kind of like what you're what you're talking about to, to scare everybody away. But, you know, they, you know, Unsane was scary. <laughs> like, listen, like he like Chris frightened me when I heard that first Unsane record. I didn't know what to think. But at the same when I started seeing what he was writing and what it was and the words and even with what you guys were doing. 
it was completely odd and in 92 was it 92 93 94 90, like right in yeah. that range you know like that was really strange for that time of time in music well the thing is with scary it's like you know if you think about it like not to get all philosophical about <laughs> like aggression or scary or anything like that but like it, i show you a horror movie and you know it's a movie, and Linda Blair is turning her head around and around. Pretty scary, you know, but it doesn't necessarily, like, transcend. But then it does, because it's like the idea of a little girl transitioning into this, like, really hateful fucking demon, that's something that people can, like, relate to. But if you want to up the ante just a little bit more, what's really scary is the real. And that I think is what separates it because in aggressive music, there's so many different bands that have what I would call fall screaming vocals. Um, that's where a person does vocalizations with their throat and their voice or whatever, where it's like, you know, like, and, and it's not really like, coming from the heart with power and volume behind it and the emotion that's behind it is not real. And so therefore you go to go see that kind of thing. And the, and the objective is, Hey man, we're a bunch of scary motherfuckers. But then in the reality, no, you're not because it's almost like you're role playing. But then the difference between say like Chris Spencer and something like that is he fucking means it. I feel like in a lot of ways that energy or like the place that you get into when you're doing stuff like that, it should be like that if you're in the first row or the second row, you're kind of having thoughts like, hey, man, I bet if I jumped up there right now, like fuck with dude's mic stand or did something like I bet he like fucking stabbed me in the eye or what, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, exactly. You know, and, yeah. It, and it's like it's like that's cool, you know, and I think that that's a lot of what's missing from a lot of music today. That's that that you know that phrase of like you know rock and roll is supposed to be dangerous or whatever and all that you know a lot of people think like oh what what is dangerous or whatever you know well dangerous is is real like is the real and I think that uh, if you really mean it if you've got something to say and it's in angry music and it's it's some some from the heart really hardcore shit. It's not just singing, it's not just words, it's, you know, it, it's a whole physical presence of being and giving it your all and, and pushing your, your, your volume to the max and pushing your emotion to the max. And uh, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I myself just gravitate, I probably also like gravitate towards things like that, probably also like a fiend for stuff like that. You know, a sweet tart is kind of tart, but a warhead, you know, makes you want to wince. It's like I... I'm probably numb and immune to a lot of things that necessarily might be scary on the surface or whatever. It's, it's usually got to definitely take it right there for me to, to kind of have that feeling of the hair standing up on my arms and me going like, Whoa, like, you know, like what the fuck is wrong with this person? Like, this is insane. You know? <laughs> so how do you hold on to that and have that feeling and that reality in your music 
after 25 years i mean you grow up and you obviously get older you know i everybody tends to calm down a little bit get a little more even keeled figure yourself out yeah, a little bit you, how do you hold on to that fishing in bangor maine yeah. how do you get angry <laughs> yeah well you know it's like it, it, it's a ba- there's a definite balance that has to go on with myself and and i think you know i don't want to speak for chris because it is to me a pretty personal issue about like whatever it is that drives one drive one drives one's negative emotions in their and their anger but uh i hate to say it but it's awfully easy for me um because i feel like that ever since i've been born being like more or less like a fucking poor person in the united states my whole entire life you know i nothing has ever been easy for me. And ever since I was a fucking kid, I feel like the, the, the final for me, like motivation wise, the final kind of nail in the coffin of what direction it pushed me into is, you know, I just a lot of like family stuff where it's like, you don't fit in, you know, when you can't even be loved by your own fucking family, that's going to put some pretty hard ass feelings in your heart. And then you step out into the real world like I am right now, a, a husband to my wife and, you know, father to my two sons. You know, we live a survivalist lifestyle. We live we live up in the super eastern northern tip of Maine and whatnot out in the middle of nowhere. We heat our house with wood, like firewood. Um, you know, we we grow a lot of our own vegetables. We try to basically, like, you know, live as as free from society as possible but no matter how free i am from society i'm constantly faced with all the bullshit that goes along with simply trying to survive you know and for instance in our country right now with the way things are it's like we live in a country right now that's super freaking divided all over the place where it almost seems like the the lid's about to blow off the top of the fucking pressure cooker at all times and so I think a lot of it's got to do with like a survival mechanism of, of a will to live. And when I when I sit down with a pen in my hand to write words to a song or put together parts of a song, I, I tend to connect with more of the hard feelings that's going on inside of me. And like I said, there's no shortage of those. I, w- I wish I could say differently and that my life has been maybe a little bit different or whatever, but, but it hasn't been. And and I don't care because honestly, you know, I, my way of dealing with all that is like, I realized a long time ago that I'm not the only one that feels this way. You know, each record, for instance, with today is the day that I make or say like the work with UXO, there, there is a meaning behind it and there's a message behind it. And it's a, it's a message to not give up, to never give in and that the struggle is real and that one needs to overcome. No offense or anything, but aren't you worried that your two sons are going to have an even angrier band than today is the day because they can't get a pizza delivered or <laughs> Netflix streaming? <laughs> well, yeah, we do. You know, the, the, we we have a. I, I honestly, the funny thing is, is with me being the way that I am, and again, you know, obviously we're not all exactly the same way that you see us when we're performing on stage or or whatnot like that, but, like, I, I'll i be the first one to admit, I got a high-drive metabolism. I'm, you know, I'm wound up. I'm a wound-up cat. And, uh, you know, but, like, at the same time, it's like, 
you know, I love my kids more than anything in this world, and I love my wife more than anything in this world, and I'll do anything for them no matter what happens. A lot of mainstream people might, like, meet a freaky family like ours and, you know, wonder, like, oh, man, you know, I bet those kids are going to be so messed up or this and that and all. And, and the ironic thing is my my 14-year-old is in, like, the top uh, 3% of students in the state of Maine and won Presidential Award for Excellence in school and the, the littler one that's 11 years old, you know, doing pretty much along the same path as the other one. Most people that wind up meeting my kids, or the, one of the first comments they'll say to me that I find so strange is, you know, it's really weird. It's like, your kids are like really happy, man. And I'm like, Ooh, what the good. fuck does that mean? Like, what are you supposed to be like? you know, fucking back here sewing some Nike sneakers together or something. Like, you know, it's I like, just want to know if you're like, teaching them drums and bass so that way you got replacement members <laughs> if you need them, you know? Now, see, that's some good thinking there, some <laughs> in-house technology. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, you know, the only thing is that my thing about that stuff, and, and I hope that one day I don't regret it, but I kind of take an opposite stance about direction of stuff like that with your kids. Like meaning, you know, I say that I was about to say the word privately, but knowing that I guess a bunch of people are going to hear this conversation. It's not that private, (laughs) but I don't want them to go through the same shit that I have. And I I don't want them to have a hard life like that. I I don't want to be a bummer to like anybody want to start out being in a band or playing music or anything, but, if you're going to do it, you're definitely facing a world of shit ahead of you. And because of that, I don't really push either one of those kids about music at all. And, you know, I'm definitely there for them. Like the 11-year-olds taking an interest in wanting to learn how to play piano. And I'm more than happy to help them and teach them how to do it. You know, so we're probably going to here pretty soon start jamming around on some piano. But uh, I had an uncle who had a son that was wanted to play professional baseball and he actually ended up being on the Detroit Tigers for like about two months and then he ended up going back to the farm team and then now he works at Hush Puppy Shoes and there's nothing wrong with that because somebody's got to do it and I'm sure he does it well but I also know that he's pretty disheartened with life where you know his dad pushed him and pushed him and pushed him and pushed him and made all these uh, carrots in front of them about incentive of, man, you're going to get this, you're going to do this. And then he really never, ever had a chance, you know, because his dad kind of pushed him in that direction to be a pro baseball player, and that's not the way it worked out. So if they freely of their own, you know, mind want to do it, then I'm going to support it a million percent, and I'll be happy to give all of my knowledge and and anything else I've got to it to make it happen. But, uh, you know, thankfully right now they're, they're being pretty smart and, uh, focusing on other shit. (laughs) (laughs) Do you let your parents like influence them or is that like no way they screwed me up? I'm not letting them near these ones. Well, my parents are both dead. Um, the, uh, yeah, well, well, it happens, you know, they grow older and whatnot. My, my dad, You know, the one thing with me that I wouldn't be sitting here right now, actually, if it wasn't for my dad, because, you know, from when I when I got out of high school, I actually, you know, kind of like my sons or whatever, I was 
at whatever point that I basically submitted because I fucking hated school to no end. But then I realized sometime around about ninth grade or 10th grade, like, you know, I'm going to be stuck in this fucking Oz like fucking setting of jail, which is school for the next like four years. And it seemed like, you know, things seemed to go a lot smoother for the people that kicked ass at doing it. And so something switched in my head about it around that time. And then it became like an obsession to like do really good at it. So I ended up doing exactly that. By the time I graduated, I got a scholarship coming out of high school to go to college. And I went uh, to University of Missouri at St. Louis. And at some point along the way with doing that after a couple of years, I just, I just, it wasn't in me. It just wasn't in my heart about what I wanted to do. So I just one night said, fuck this, I'm going home. And I packed up all my shit, left, drove back to where my parents lived. I thought they were going to rail me out and be like, you know, are you out of your mind? Like, you know, you, you've got like a 3.9 a or 3.8 in school and and things are going good. And and I, I roll up and I tell them what I did. And the first thing they said was, Got, you know, we're, we're so relieved. Like, you know, we, we were hoping this would happen. And I'm like, what are you guys on acid? Like, like, <laughs> why, that was my next question. Why, why are, yeah. Like, why, why are you telling me that? And they were like, well, because we just knew that you didn't want to do it and that, and that your interest is elsewhere. And so from that point right there, I just said, you know, well, here's my deal. I'm going to get a job at a Greek restaurant and I'm going to freaking work on this and I'm going to save money. And when I get some money together, I'm going to buy some equipment and I'm going to try to find some guys and I want to put together a band. And they were like, go for it, like do it. And I, I, you know, it was, it's weird because when you're just a kid and you're on your own and to have your parents, especially like my dad, like be like, he, he, he'd say things that were, you know, crazy that he'd be like, you're, you're, you're a better guitar player than Eddie Van Halen, you know? And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. Oh yeah. <laughs> you sure your parents didn't uh, die from overdosing on, on acid? Cause this is I, all I, I, think, know. <laughs> I, I think they secretly were doing something, but, uh, but no, it's like, you know, that, that kind of inspiration behind me. I remember when we finally got signed to a record label, like, you know, you walk into your, kitchen with your dad who's like 60 something years old and you're like hey dad i got signed to amphetamine reptile records isn't that great you know and any other dad would probably be like oh, what what are, you, what are you doing you know and and in, instead my dad was like you know like that's awesome did they give you any money <laughs> well it's the equivalent it's the equivalent of getting you know signed to the detroit tigers for you know i mean <laughs> You're going to the show finally. Yeah, you know, but but it, it's like he he got it. You know, he he actually played in a band that was like a Hank Williams Senior kind of band back in the '50s, and I've got pictures of him with cowboy shirts on and a big cowboy hat and jamming his Lost Highway songs out up on stage. And you know, we played guitar together and shit like that. And you know, he come see he actually he had seen today as they play and. You know, he didn't care for, like, the language that was going on in, like, our songs and shit like that. But he never told me not to do it, and he never, ever frowned on it, like, you know, that's that's wrong to do or anything. And I think he could see through 
the noise and the imagery and everything and understand like my son's pretty good at this this is good things are going well you know is the, is the next line you're gonna say but mom was a little different <laughs> i mean it sounds like dad uh, was supportive but mom mom was a piece of work for sure and i think <laughs> that, that that if you wanted to nail down a lot of what is a part of my character with today's the day in the way that I am. Um, my, my mother would fucking disturb you. Like, like she, she was more disturbing than King diamond portal. Um, I don't care what, (laughs) (laughs) I I don't care. Cannibal corpse. Uh, Gigi Allen was a special man. My dad was more like the, I'm going to take my fucking shoes off and wear a pair of cut-off nylon dress slacks as shorts with no shirt on <laughs> on the patio. And my mom was like the, I am going to wish make you wish you were never born through words. It's like she, um, she was very loving in a lot of ways <clears throat> towards me and, 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 my, and my sisters, but... At the same time, I think through, due to a lot of things that she grew up with, a lot of things that she had to live through back during pretty hard times, some people come out on the other side okay, some people come out not as okay, and I think that I think she was more in that latter group because um, she was just somebody who could never, ever be satisfied about anything. You never looked right. You never did the right thing. It's like you could make straight A's and look like a movie star and they she she'd think you're just some big fuck up and and tell you all about it so i had this whole running thing going throughout my life of like no matter what good thing that i did or aspired to to do or whatever it it always was flawed and it always had like things wrong with it there's a lot of irony to it because at whatever point, like most kids, you know, there's, I think you have a breaking point where you're like, fuck you. I hate you. I don't want to be around you like ever again. Like, like, fuck this. I'm leaving. And that moment happened actually when I turned 18 before going to college, because the second I turned 18, I fucking moved out of my house immediately. And then I went off to school and throughout that whole 18s and 20s years, I, I fucking absolutely hated the whole thing. I, I didn't want to talk to them. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then life has a good way of getting back at you because then down the road, starting about, I'd say about six or seven years ago, my mother ended up finally pulling her last caper of doing things and got herself locked up in a psychological lockdown ward in um, Nashville. And, they ended up basically advising me to become her conservator to look after her. And so there was a lot of irony to that, that now I'm looking after you and (laughs) okay. So hopefully this is going to go well. And it didn't. And it was absolute, it was absolutely fucking insane. You know, so throughout all that, you know, the, she eventually died in 2004. 13, actually, pardon me, 2014 in the fall. And leading up to that, a lot of family secrets, a lot of different things came out that I realized about a lot of things that went on. And so I wound up 
learning a lot about myself and basically and that a lot of that inspiration for the the album animal mother kind of derived from all that stuff because it, it was just a, a very strange lesson in life to learn about how your parent is your parent and your parent can love you but um at the same time your 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 parent is a real person and they carry around all the baggage and all the the shit that they've got going on with themselves. Sometimes you are in the aftermath of that. And so you just got to kind of carve out your own way in life because you're not really getting it from your family. It's so strange too, because you like uh, my family's got a lot of those skeletons in the closet too. And, and it's so strange when it starts to surface because you start to see how it relates to everything that happened before it. And you go, and a lot of time it was, you, you didn't realize that they were trying to keep you safe in this weird, fucked up way. But then at the same time, because it wound up doing more damage, it's got to be a hard thing to reconcile. Well, it is because you see somebody destroy your childhood. Yeah. You know, it's like my, my mom accused my dad of uh, sexually abusing like me and my sisters and stuff. So he never, ever did anything like that ever mm. before. She probably saw it in like a magazine or the equivalent of Oprah or something like that. And then immediately started freaking out, thinking that that stuff like that was going on. That guy worked like freaking 12 hours a day, seven days a week, bought her every little thing that, that she needed all the time. So she always had like anything that she wanted, the fanciest of furniture. And this is like blue collar, you know, this isn't like uh high end. I'm saying, you know, if there was the couch that cost 300 bucks, and the most expensive one at that shitty store was 600 then she got the 600 one you know and so it's like it's like there there was nothing he wouldn't do for her and uh but like every day when that guy would come home you know it would be like a today's today show in the middle of the kitchen where it, there's someone screaming at you at the mm-hmm. top of their volume and belittling and and berating you and the guy would go back to his room and watch his little like eight inch screen TV by himself. And then I'd go back there and check on him. And, you know, you can just tell he's just like living this depressed existence. He didn't want to leave me alone. And, and he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't leave. And, and looking back, if I would have known better and had the maturity, I would have suggested to him, Hey, if I were you, I'd pack your bags, bro. And I'll come over and live with you or something like that. But they stayed together and it wasn't for the right reasons. And it definitely showed, you know, on the upside, all that stuff, like I said, you know, the one, the one good thing I feel about that is that you take from the good and you learn from the bad. And I think in life you do that with everybody. There's people that you spend time with and you pick up on what they're all about and you understand like, you know, this is exactly not the right way to be. This is like a way I don't want to be. And then there's other people that you're like inspired by them. And you're like, wow, this, yeah, man, like now that's, that's the way it's done. That's the way you should go, you know? And I, I tend to draw the way I carry myself in life from my, from my father. And every once in a while, when a massive freak out goes out, is about to go down by me, you know, I try to keep it in check of remembering like some of my mom's shit and like, it's like, bro, don't, 
do that. Don't say that. You are going to fucking scare the shit out of the person you're freaked out about right now. It's like back it down, pull it in place, proceed like with with some calmness here because it is no good behaving like that, you know. And I I'll be the first to admit I didn't always have it under control like that either. You know, it's like the the early days of today's day. You know, I was fucking absolutely out of control probably for all intents and purposes it's like the you know the only thing that mattered was the art and it's like if anything tried to stop me or fuck up my art or mess with it or anything at all like that i was on a seek and destroy seek and destroy mission to fucking kill them you know so i probably lost some friends fucked up my own shit like you know in different ways by by letting my emotions overrun me like that you know, you you learn. It's like you know, I I definitely have calmed it down a whole lot in my personal life, or at least maybe harnessed it and gained a little bit of control. You know.
Hello, everyone. My name is Ray Harkins, and I am the host of a podcast called 100 Words or Less. And what I do on a weekly basis is dive deep with some of your favorite artists in and around independent music. Now, this isn't your average interview show where it's like, hey, let's talk about how great your new record is or how's the tour going? Because frankly, that bores me to tears and I don't want to bore you. So come check out some really in-depth conversations that I've had with Buddy Nielsen from Senses Fail, Davey Havoc from AFI. And if you like independent music, you will find a few guests that I have had on that will tickle your fancy. So visit us at 100wordspodcast.com and you can find us on the iTunes store or any podcast catcher you may listen to. Thank you very much. Check it out.
The Metal Sucks Podcast brought to you by Creative Live. You want to learn how to record music, you need to check out our friends at Creative Live because not only are they awesome and good looking, but they also teach you stuff like classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, taught by artists that you love like Converge, Periphery, Dillinger, Escape Plan. Head over to creativelive.com slash audio. You can learn more, see some free previews, and educate yourself because that's going to be important someday when you need a damn job or want to work in this industry, damn it. Um, and let's see, that was Tooth Grinder right there with their new song called uh, The House That Fear Built. Uh, I don't think that's even a single. That's the one that I play on my radio show. Um, and you need to check out that Nocturnal Masquerade album because it is awesome. It really is. like It's so far... I mean, it's hard to say, like, what's your favorite of the year kind of thing when it's February. But at the same time, <laughs> that's one of those that I really am. I've kind of been sticking to for the past two months or so. And they're part of South by South Death, which is the South by Southwest showcase for Metal Sucks featuring Monuments, Conan, Lord Dying, uh, Expander, Iniona and Tooth Grinder all on that bill on March 16th here in Austin at the Dirty Dog Bar. Uh, that's going to be a good one, man. It's like when I look at the schedule of metal during South by Southwest, there is not a lot. But, of course, you know, who's got it? You know, Metal Sucks. Boom. Bam. Boom. <laughs> and, you know, and you've heard me talk about Monuments and Aona and how much I love those bands. So I'm super stoked for that night. I mean, like, my whole South by schedule is all about that day. So it's it's kick-ass. Well, you know, and, I, and like, I want to uh, – I want to I find out how – because uh, this should be, I guess, like right as the stuff with Eyal uh, is coming out, right? With the Creative Live where they were doing the, the boot camp thing. Yeah. So like uh, some of the videos, I kind of want to you know ask him about that and find out how that how that how fun it was or if it was like torture or if it was awesome or, you know, like what what that was like trying to do a song you know while you're on video while you're trying to teach how to do a song, you know, like that's got to be a, you're under the microscope, man. That's going to be tough. So, well, Plus, I don't know. we get the treat of getting to look at the lead singer of Tooth Grind <laughs> in the flesh. Uh, oh, I just he, hope the stage is well lit. That's all I'm hoping for. Uh, we kind of find what we just watch. He's going to wind up being like three foot tall. You know, like, like all the pictures are like, uh, you know, the selfies from above or like below. You, you, so you can't I tell. Don't care. I just get to ask all those questions about how he does his hair, what his skin <laughs> products are. Oh, no. All those questions I can't get the answers from from anybody else. I'm hoping he's going to hook me up. Just because Chris Jericho didn't answer those questions for you doesn't mean that the, <laughs> the lead singer Tooth Grinder will. This is I mean, one of the problems with being a dude. Is you can't go up to another dude and go, you know, how do you get such great skin? Actually, you can't do it. Actually, it, yes, you chick can. The chick that happens all the time. No, actually, you can, but you just got to grow a beard. If you grow a beard, you can get those questions all the time about products, my friend. That's all it takes. What do you put in your beard, dude? Oh well, I use beard balm. Oh well, I use blah 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 mega oil. And like, oh yeah, it's all you have to do is grow a beard, and all of a sudden, talking product is totally legit. Uh, yeah. yeah and and also like it's the only time other dudes will like want to stroke any part of you unless they're you know really coming on to you most of the time you know what i mean so well, it seems like an okay idea for a while there and then you just shit out on it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like well maybe i will get no never mind no. all right Stop uh, touching me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and speaking of people I don't want to touch me, man, uh, Ollie Sykes. Oh, <laughs> uh, and the Enemy Awards. It's still, uh, I think, at the top of the Metal Sucks page there. This whole thing, uh, the big flap about Coldplay and Bring Me the Horizon that uh, that arose or jumped up, if you will. I <laughs> get it. Jump, jump, uh, never mind. Um, the, I guess last week at the Enemy Awards, NME Awards. There we go. They uh, with Ollie Sykes, who 
everybody read into this thing where he jumped on Coldplay's table at the award show while they were performing their song, the happy song that they were, you know, dissing Coldplay for whatever reason, I guess for the beef that they, uh, they possibly had over the cover of their latest album and Coldplay's cover of their latest album being sort of similar. Uh, well, and I think I think what it is, is somebody sees something bad happen to Coldplay that happens, and then and then everybody sits around and goes, "Hell yeah, fuck Coldplay!" You know <laughs> why fuck Coldplay? Well, because What's wrong? I mean, know, the, it's it's boring or you know, it's just blah. It's radio the, 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 music the or whatever. The thing that's but. wrong with Coldplay is that there's nothing wrong with Coldplay. That's what sucks about Coldplay. There's just it's it's they 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 uh, uh, write good songs. They're nice people. Yeah. They're now in ridiculously wealthy. It's like the Dave they, Grohl you know, factor. They, yeah, the same sort of well, thing. With, yeah, in a way, but like even you know the thing with Dave Grohl is Dave Grohl like goes out of his way to like you know just uh, 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 hang around with the the uh, with the peasants, you know. Coldplay like just seemed blissfully unaware of <laughs> the peasants. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean well, How I awesome is that? You really? Know? But I, but you hate, but he hate it. I just hate it. You know, I, they'd fuck them. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, come on, man. It can't be. It can't be that bad. I mean, just because. Just because they're nice guys doesn't make them terrible people. I mean, even no, even the but, fact that they make like blah music doesn't make them terrible people. What what makes them terrible is that like like when while well, the rest of us are working, you know, fifty hours a, day, a, a week, we've got like tons and tons of uh, of debt. We've we're busting our ass. We've got people giving us a hard time, all that sort of thing, right? Like Chris Martin wakes up sometime just before noon. He has his breakfast ready made for him. He sits on the toilet and he shits out a great song like Yellow, you know that, <laughs> and, and then he moves on with his day. That's why we hate him, you know. Just like oh look look what i found you know it's it's another great million selling song you know like fuck you dude you know and that, he, and, that, that and you know he gets to like you know do it with gwyneth paltrow so i mean that's also like well oh, damn it you son of a bitch all right so maybe maybe i should like maybe i should sykes, all right okay yeah when a guy like ollie sykes gets on his table and knocks over the table you gotta be thinking like chris martin has never had a table fall on him. You know? <laughs> he's never fallen out of his chair. <laughs> I don't know. He's never I... woken up somewhere and not known where he was. You know, I mean, th- this is good. This is good. This is this is good for everybody. You know, I don't know. I was watching the video and I thought it looked pretty damn goofy overall because it looked like it was just sort of. It, it, I don't know. It didn't. It didn't look like staged or anything like that. It just looked like. <laughs> whatever you know looked like he was trying to get just trying to get attention that wasn't wasn't there it didn't look like the crowd gave a shit about bring me the horizon anyway so you know let's let's fuck with the guy who who we may or may not have a beef with and and cause some problems or whatever and i and I'm, i don't know it's just it's like look at me look at me look at me and it's like well who if the crowd doesn't give a shit i mean how do you how do you is that how you deal with it you know just start throwing shit around well yeah i mean that's the but see, that's the great thing about it, right? Is that it? It, it it's it's freaking rock and roll. It's metal. It makes it memorable. Who the 
freaking cares about NME awards? Right? Nobody cares, right? It's not interesting. I mean, the fact that Coldplay slummed it to show up to the damn thing is pretty damn surprising <laughs> to me. But, like, what the hell? But here is something interesting happened. How awesome is that? Here it is a few days later. We're talking about it. It's True. great. I wish more stuff like that happened. I wish that somebody set themselves on fire and wheeled themselves <laughs> onto Coldplay's table. Uh, that would have been even more awesome. Why? If he would have taken it, just whipped it out and pissed all over yeah. Coldplay. I mean, uh, fuck you, you fucking fucks. See, I and I, I think that there's like that, and I, maybe that's what it, my problem is with it is that like it didn't go far enough. Like it, it's like if if he would have gone all the way and like just took a dump in the middle of the table, then maybe I would have been uh, oh well, fucking hey, all right, there you go. That's bravo. <laughs> that's something nobody would do. <laughs> But, you know, just, oh, I'm jumping on this table and the table collapses. And, okay, now I go back. Happy time. Oh, yippee ki Big fucking deal. So, I don't know. And That's the, a great hook. Oh, God, dude. Dude, and once again, you prove it. You're old and in the way. <laughs> no, no, not even. I actually like what Bring Me the Horizon has done in the past. But this this particular one, I'm just like, oh, Man, or actually, this is their yellow man. Actually, it's this particular song is in the re- like some of the rest of the stuff on the album is not bad, but that particular song, oh my god, it drives me up a wall because that I feel it's all all whiny and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, dude. That's it's the best part about it is that it's like. Uh, <laughs> it was all yellow, so uh, happy. Yeah, here it is, like like here it is that 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 Coldplay stole their album. It turns out that Bring Me Horizon is stealing Chris Martin's hooks. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's perfect. It's synergistic. Well, it and now everybody is reading into this as part of this beef, right? It was looking like it. Well, this is a big fu to Coldplay for the thing that they did with their album and all that stuff. But then afterwards, after the award show, and I was waiting for something like this to pop up. Uh, there was like the interview dude after the show and. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And they had one microphone with all five dudes from the band and everybody's trying to yell into the microphone at the same time. So we couldn't really get much of what anybody was saying. The thing that really came through was that Ollie Sykes basically said that it was in no way a protest against Coldplay. He's a, he kind of said that he didn't even know where he was in the room, really, uh, that he couldn't really hear. So he was just kind of jumping around, trying to make a show out of it and found a table, jumped on the table, blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, the table flimsy collapses. He didn't even know it was Coldplay, that kind of thing. So he he kind of didn't even take take credit. So it's not even tied to it whatsoever. I don't believe in divine intervention, but if if the one table you stand on is the dude you sort of have a beef on and you do it by accident afterwards you go man it was just meant to be double down <laughs> double down why doesn't he double down it he should have been like I would have knocked. I, yeah the, the reason that if the table hadn't fallen over you know i would have kicked chris martin in the face that's what he should have said you know uh, oh. i don't know if I, and like i said i i still feel like it was just like a big look at me sort of moment for him to to just kind of try to get the crowd into it because when you look at the video he's a performer that's what we're supposed to do is look at him yeah well the, and that's what, what the sta- what you, that's what the stage is for look at him no that's not what the, the whole, that's what the whole venue is for everybody else can stay on the stage if you're special well it can't contain your awesomeness Coldplay used uh the essential uh glitter and confetti to draw people's attention to them while they were on stage so I think, mm-hmm. you know, they should have used uh, some some classic tools 
uh, to to try to bring the crowd in 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 there with them, and I don't think that you know they Coldplay did it. Coldplay are so nice; they probably vacuumed up the confetti themselves <laughs> afterwards. You know what I mean? No, it's biodegradable, man. What are you talking about? It's a, it's earth friendly. <laughs> That's a guarantee. That's Glut- a guarantee. It's gluten free. You know, it's a, a gluten free <laughs> glitter, man. You know, totally. but then Chris uh, Chris Martin said afterwards that he had never even heard of Bring Me the Horizon before, and oh. said that uh, it was quote was great and very rock and roll. So. <laughs> Like, you know what? Wow. See, if I'm Bring Me the Horizons publicist, I'm putting out a press release right after that. It says, for immediate release, London, England. Fuck you, Coldplay. <laughs> that, that's my press release. Uh, Coldplay figures out who Bring Me the Horizon is. <laughs> well, no, it's just that, that whole, like, it's very rock and roll. Like, stop being nice, you douche. You know, why didn't you go, hey, look, I had a really, you know, nice dinner on that table. And now I, I kind of would like to have, you know, that reimbursed, you know, something like that. That would have been good. That would have been good. You know, let's build this up a little bit. Instead, he's trying to, like, squash it by going, oh, I think the pretty good i don't think he's squa- i don't before. think he's squashing shit i think he's just like that nice i think it's really just like well i don't know it's okay <laughs> you know or oh. you know it, it just that's there are nice people out there man and and you know sometimes they just don't give a shit about stuff like that fuck them <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know man i think it's just funny that everybody kind of just just blew it up into this whole fucking thing and in the end, it's just it really looks like Ollie couldn't hear shit and he was fucking around and just wound up on their table kind of thing. So I don't know. I don't think it's as big as everybody thought it was. And it's just kind of funny. It's just kind of funny how we all want there to be something right. We want there to. Well, fuck that. We want oh, I want uh, we want people to be angry at each other. And uh, why didn't he, you know, and well, because we just want it. You know what? It's because we work 50 to 60 hours a week and we're loaded with debt and we're looking for something interesting at all times. And instead, we get more pablum. You know, if Bring Me the Horizon want to be as lame as Coldplay, then the response they should do is, oh, I didn't even notice it was their table. I just did it because my, you know, in-ear monitor wasn't working or whatever it was. But screw that. No, you, you make our lives interesting. Go out there and go like, hey, you know, the whole thing was an attempt to, you know, fart on their dinner plates. You know, that, that. That, you know, that is interesting. That's fun. Ugh, I was going to take a dump makes... on the table, but it collapsed before I could do it. You know, that is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Pushing yeah. it like, you know, you know, push the boundaries. I don't know. I, I think yeah, it's just. Yeah. Be, yeah. Be like, you're lucky it wasn't the Grammys, you know? <laughs> I think it's just a room full. It's like if it was if it was the Grammys, right? And it would have been some, you know, because the only metal pseudo partial metal thing that happened at the Grammys was Alice Cooper, right? It wasn't even and that wasn't even that metal. It's like, okay, these 95 year old dudes up there playing rock and roll. Uh, So could you imagine something like a band like this in front of that crowd trying to trying to get their attention? Oh, my God. I mean, that would be brutal, you know, just brutal for them to try to do something like that. Do you remember those like uh, wristbands that used to be popular in the Christian movement where it would it would be WWJCD? Yeah. You tie it around your wrist. So like I, I bought like one of those things and I changed the letters and it said WWGGD because I wanted to remember at all times. What would Gigi Allen do? Ah. You know, Mm. and that. 
is what the world needs right now. You know, that's I want a t-shirt. It's, it should read, the world needs more Gigi Allen. You know, and, and that's the truth. Even though it was scary as hell while the dude was alive, God knows I wasn't going to see him in concert, right? Mm. But, but I was terribly interested and... That's what the world needs more of. Less of a flat line, because flat line means you're dying, and more spikes and drops. That's mm. what the world needs. Mm. So the spikes are uh, defecating on stage, and the drops Dude, are... I, I'm, I'm telling you, I think next week on the podcast, I think I'm going to do the whole thing. I'm going to take a dump during the podcast. Has anybody ever done that before? <laughs> we're we're going to periscope it while we're at it, you know. It's podcasting. We'll stick to podcast. What are, you, what, what are you talking? I'm taking a dump right now as we speak, so it's all good. <laughs> I mean, that's how I do the show. That's how my voice is I'm so gonna deep. Take, I'm going to take a dump in my hand. I'm going to spend the whole time off talking on the air with a dump, with big big old poop in my hand and 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 that that is exciting that you know everybody's listening going how the hell is he doing it how is he holding himself you know holding his poop in his hand and talking that's exciting that's interesting the whole thing and then who's he gonna throw it at who's he gonna he's like a monkey that that's that's exciting radio that's what i'm gonna do next week i don't know that doesn't sound very exciting to me but uh but yeah, yeah at least, actually, it, does, it doesn't at least you're across the pond. Idea, you're, yeah yeah we'll, we'll figure something else out right <laughs> <laughs> after this week talking about me but my ball so much i don't know if we want to go into into the into the poop version of the show you know it's like uh, enough enough is enough but but my point is just that, like, all you know, all of this stuff is awesome opportunities for interesting things to happen. Even if it's manufactured, what the hell? It doesn't matter. Just make it fun, make it exciting, and and, and you know, less stuff happening on a stage, more stuff that just can't be contained. And that goes for live performances. It goes for publicity. It goes for events like this. God damn it. You know, I, I, I want something different. And that's what Ollie did for a minute there. And then he had to retract it. <laughs> oh, well, but I like right. that song. <laughs> well, you know, what? you know, yeah. what? me complaining about him retracting that that whole thing is I'm doing that in the voice that he sings in. Yeah. Like, why did you have to stop? Why did you have to why stop you it? Why did you have to do that for? What the heck for? It's terrible. All right. We got ra- to gotta, apologize. We got to wrap this show up, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, to the Metal Sucks podcast, uh, make sure that you're subscribed to us on all the appropriate places where you get your podcast. Uh, that would be, you know, Stitcher, Google Play, on iTunes. Leave us a couple of stars on each one of those. Tell us that we suck. Maybe review something like that. That'd be cool. Uh, you can also find us uh, on social media. I'm at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks and Godless Speaks on Facebook. And if Jamie Jost has ever said anything I need to take offense to, please tweet me on <laughs> Facebook. Because uh, I hear he's a nice guy, too. He is kind of a nice guy. And uh, also, you can find us on Instagram, Chuck and Godless, uh, and ChuckandGodless.com. That's our Patreon if you want to support us. Uh, we thank all of our early adopters and all of our early supporters. You, um, you know, you chip in a couple of bucks. We give you the podcast early. Uh, we got a couple of things that we're incentivizing with. We got some cool interviews and stuff that are coming from 70,000 tons of metal that we're going to be posting here very soon and all 
that stuff. So uh, make sure you check that out at uh, chuckandgodless.com. Uh, it'll take you right there to the link because you can't search for us because uh, like not safe for work podcasts don't come up. So as soon as we drop the F-bomb, we're screwed. So, yeah, make sure oh, you go. Right? Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird thing. As long as we're labeled not safe for work, like it, you can't search it. It's kind of it's kind of strange. But so anyway. I, I got to stop cursing. Well, so no more fuck Coldplay. What the All right. F- next week, I promise. I won't, I won't say anything. F yeah, Coldplay. Yeah. No, F and F. Yeah. F and F. 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 Yeah. We're going to Disneyfy next step. Oh, God. We're, what we're going to do no. is next week's episode is going to be the equivalent of Ollie Sykes saying, I didn't realize that was Coldplay's <laughs> table. Sorry about that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, how, how uninteresting is that? I know. I know. Well, thank you to Steve Austin. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. You, you finished? You, you threw it out? Yeah, I'm done. Thank you to Steve Austin from UXO. And uh, today is the day for being our guest this week. And uh, until next week, I am Chuck. And I'm Godless. And this is the Metal Sucks Podcast. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.